Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'm in London, Ontario, and I'm hanging out with Chris. I'm sitting inside of his clinic. It's a really nice place. I wish you guys can see it. I would describe it, but I'm not going to. So Chris, I wanted to have you on because every time I see something in a massage therapy Facebook group about motor vehicle accidents, HKI, all that kind of stuff, you seem to be the man with the answers. And even when you're not the one providing the answers, immediately someone's tagged you and it's saying, hey man, what do you have to say on this? So let's start this here. Can you give us a little bit of background as to uh, your massage therapy career? Background for me, I guess, uh, actually started out to wanting to do architectural technology and then got heavily into sports and switched it up because uh, athlete care. So got into massage therapy. Quickly, you know, after graduating Darcy Lane, got involved with Western for uh, track and field cross country, helping them out with their massage therapy. How'd you score that gig? <laughs> Basically, because I kick their asses mm. <laughs> yeah i actually won uh, canadian championships in uh, 96 for the 400 right on yeah so that kind of helped because my name was already there so yeah got in nice yeah, and then haven't looked back since love it right on right on so you, you're not a, a member of the canadian sport massage therapist association right currently no. no no what was your exposure to sport massage then like how did you get into doing and knowing about sport massage i'm just out of curiosity yeah so back in the 90s not really as much uh exposure we had a team out of kitchener that had a massage therapist with them and did some work yep. and it just so happened i was at a meet in sudbury ran a race like got like you know basically all tied up in the calf as we would say yeah and my toe was pointed down i couldn't uh, couldn't uh, flex back i was just stuck right there in plantar flexion mm. so i had an hour between the uh semi and the final yeah found the guy said i need this to work and he's like all right sit huh? down yeah. dug it out and i won the uh, 400 meter hurdles that uh, year right for on. ontario championships so yeah nice. after that i was like uh, i actually ditched my uh, third year of the architecture program and switched right over mm. so yeah that's all it took eh? you being an athlete and getting some therapy and you're like this is my job now that's that's pretty much it yeah nice yeah because all through high school i took the the courses for completely different routes so i had to actually go back and uh, do some bio before hitting uh, Darcy Lane. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever look back now and say, mm, uh, I wish I was designing buildings. I wish I was Ted Mosby. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. No, but oddly enough, I still like throw down, you know, design for clinic here or there just for fun. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. That sounds like a cool mm. deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so give us the career path then. So from there, yeah, I got uh, right into back at Darcy Lane. Taught there for a decade and uh, yeah, and then that just uh, snowballed me with uh other avenues as well, doing a few uh, courses myself for continuing, um, getting involved with different uh, like sports directions as well, Pan Am Games, uh, Ontario uh, Summer Games, things like that. Right on. Yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, obviously doing a lot of uh, checking in on the uh, Facebook uh, boards there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's, let's get into this because yep. I really want, I, this is what I would love for you. I would love for when anyone tags your name that you can just drop this link and say, go listen to this. 
<laughs> that way oh, you, you don't have to type it or you probably use I think you use the the voice recognition stuff I will depending on on where I am right because <laughs> if I'm if I'm like out and about or like I am lotioned up and I can't really be yeah. like tapping on the phone yeah I'll do the the voice and then uh, I'll go back and edit and make sure the words are right yeah. because sometimes uh picks up the Canadian accent and doesn't uh, <laughs> like the words I say so. out and about yeah exactly oh I've had that a few times a boot a bit yeah that's that's goddamn apple exactly <laughs> so i have to go back switch it up just to make sure it's edited because i read it later and i'm like oh that's not exactly what i wanted to say or where the hell did that word just come from i don't know so let's uh, fix it up yeah you know? all right let's get into uh the mva stuff so i don't even know where i want to begin with this yeah it's a difficult one to, to figure out but i think like the i guess the main thing to start out with is that like it's something that so many rmts have no clue about and it's because you know yeah we don't get taught it in school but really nobody does it's not mandatory for licensure for anyone right it just happens to be something that uh, basically like we call it the gatekeeper professions which are actually tagged as the practitioners under the uh, SABs the statutory accident benefit uh, schedule so there's nine of them on there and we're not one of them so as such we're kind of at the mercy of whoever is going to you know sign off on those forms so a lot of times RMTs just get into clinics and they just ride the wave and whatever they're told they're doing they're doing so Mm -hmm. they don't learn what they have to do you know offhand the the nine that if you don't that's cool i don't but i got offhand. a cheat sheet yeah let's let's check it yeah out the cheat sheet. so basically for the nine it's physician chiropractor dentist occupational therapist optometrist psychologist physiotherapist registered nurse and speech language pathologist cool. so those are the ones who can sign off and allow us to go ahead but pretty much does have to match their profession right that they right. have to um be aware of it so they can sign off as it being appropriate so if they're ever questioned by uh you know fisco or the insurance companies they can say that they understood what they were actually signing and so in those forms those would be considered practitioners right correct and then everybody else would fall under the title professional yeah the other 26 are just uh, like out of the 26 everyone else is uh, the professional involved and you'll see on there too on the forms where it'll say professional and the checkbox for if it's the same as practitioner but right. if it's not like a kinesiologist rmt you have to throw yourself in there okay. uh, under that one so can we do this then can we walk through the steps as as what happens so for example i'm in a motor vehicle accident i call up my insurance provider my auto insurance provider i mm-hmm. say i was in an accident they ask me did you go to the hospital did you go to the doctor did you get injured i say i haven't gone to the doctor yet but i'm gonna go tomorrow and they say okay we're gonna mail you an accident benefit package am i right so far on Correct. something like this cool yeah, they do require that uh, like in in the sabs it says that it's supposed to be um, within seven days that you're supposed to make your intent knowing that you're going to go after a claim but it's really after the point that you know you're going to so if you you know if it takes a couple weeks months for something to manifest and then you realize i need to get uh, some help yep. you have seven days from the point of knowing and you know if you've got uh, paperwork like you've been to the doctor and you've been diagnosed with something yeah you gotta let your intent be known and then they have 10 days to get back to you gotcha and that's including sending those forms out so your whole package with the ocf1 and and on so yeah all right so i've gone to the doctor now the doctor's like yep you've got some injuries take us through the steps kind of like i guess it depends there so the the doctor diagnoses you says yeah you need to go get some care usually you know to be specific they're going to fill out a physiotherapist uh, um, referral or chiropractor referral because they're going to get these pads from those professions yeah it's not a necessity and nor do they even have to say that it's for this 
it's on the pad. You see the name, you follow up. Exactly. It's a good marketing tool. So people get into those uh, different places. But, you know, you'll have the ones who are comfortable with their therapist, and that's who they're going to contact first. A lot of times it's going to be an RMT, and they're going to ask, what do I do? So with that, they do have to see that uh, uh, gatekeeper profession, as we say. Their doctor, if they're willing to sign off, great. But if their doctor doesn't want involvement, then, yeah, you have to have that relationship with someone else, either physio or chiro, usually. Um, Occupational therapist is also great. From your experience, from your experience, very rare that a doctor will take on filling out OCF forms, right? Yeah, their plate is pretty full as it is, so they don't usually like to. Um, the ones that will usually want the like the professional to fill it out themselves, bring it in, they'll take a quick look, say, yeah, this looks good, and then they'll sign it off. But a lot won't because they don't want to be responsible for having been the one who says this is warranted. Right, right. So that's where you, you got to have that relationship with someone else who you know is going to want to help you out and will work with you, play ball, so to speak. Gotcha. So I get the referral from the doctor to the physio clinic mm-hmm. and I hope that the doctor doesn't own the physio clinic and this is yeah. going to be a whole ethical disaster. Yeah, and I've known places where that's happened before oh, yeah. too. It like happens. where essentially, we'll just say a spouse will own it so there's a big conflict of interest. You have to indicate that conflict of interest. Yeah. If you've indicated it from the beginning, everything's fine. You get the approvals, great. If you get the approvals without making that indication of any conflict of interest, including that one, they can come back on you, tell you it's all been denied and ask for the money back. Yeah. We did a podcast on that. Uh, mm-hmm. We called it, I think, unethical practices, yep. stuff you should and know it's, about. it's part of it. Oh, so, it's yeah. a huge part <laughs> of that game. All right. So I go to a, a legit physio and this physio, he or he or she, based on their assessments, can throw me into my, my injuries into two different different categories, correct? Yeah. So what would those kind of categories be? Like you're talking about whether it's under the MIG or if yeah. it's OCF-18. Yeah. You got it. So being with the minor injury guidelines, so essentially you're supposed to use that if you know that there's a really good chance you can get this person back and ready after their uh, 12 weeks because it's in three different blocks of four weeks. A lot of times people are just thrown in the MIG anyways because that's what the adjusters want to do. It's not necessarily what has been assessed or warranted by the physio or the, the chiro or the occupational therapist. This is just where they're in. Mm-hmm. Like I've currently got one in my clinic that's being fought where the, the Cairo knows it's going to be an 18, but they're being told, no, put it under the make. Gotcha. So he already knows it's going to take months, not just, you know, the 12 weeks. So can we explain to our, our audience what is considered to be under the minor injury guidelines? And this is in Ontario, right? This is only in Ontario? In this form, yeah. Okay. Like, um, so with the minor injury guidelines, it used to be called the PATH for those who remember way back when. Yes, pre-approved. And the pre-approved framework. framework, yep. So the MIG, the minor injury guideline, is usually whiplash is the main one or sprain strains that are going to have a really good chance of getting better. When you have other conditions that uh, come into play, like you've got actual breaks that are going to take forever, or mm-hmm. like, you know, any other uh, like concussion or things like that, where it's absolutely not going to be done in 12 weeks, then you have to take them out. But it's pretty much all your basics. You get whiplash from that, you should be in for the MIG, okay. get that taken care of. So we're saying under the minor injury guideline, there is a certain time block, which is... To use or to get to? To use. Okay. So in total, yeah, 12 weeks. 12 weeks. And then there's also a maximum allowable... $3,500. And $400 for the uh, goods and services. That uh, That's where traditionally many of us will get thrown into, depending mm-hmm. upon the, the clinic you're in and what's uh, been warranted by that uh, practitioner. Okay. And then when I have an injury that is beyond the minor injury guideline, what's the correct terminology for that? There you go. So going for the OCF-18. Okay. So that's just a plain treatment plan. That'll be anything over and above that uh, minor injury guideline or after that uh, minor injury guideline has been uh, exhausted and there's still treatment that is needed. Okay. So 
let's let's start with the let's start with the MIG. So I'm in the physiotherapist's office. They do their assessments. They determine that possibly with pressure from the insurance provider mm-hmm. to put this into the minor injury guideline. Yeah, and a lot of times that happens with the what's called the PPN, preferred provider networks, where they've got it set up directly with the different clinics. Mm-hmm. A lot of physio clinics uh, specifically will have that where it's an agreement between them and the insurance company as to exactly what's going to happen for that uh, time frame. Okay. So example being you get two physios and one massage every week. Gotcha. So under the MIG, are there any forms that need to be filled out in terms of treatment plan? Um, by the practitioner, yes. Um, they just have to fill out that OCF 23 and indicate what the injury is and how they plan to, to utilize. Like, If they're only planning to use the two blocks instead of three, they indicate that. Okay. But usually as far as what you're going to do during those blocks, not necessarily so, just that you're going to be using them. Okay. And then with the OCF 18? You got to be very specific. Yeah. You got to be indicating like how many total, how many a week you plan to do, not necessarily the dates that's up to you, but you should be indicating like if you've got 18 of, the, of them over a, you know, nine week stretch kind of thing, you're going to indicate that that's what you want to do. So, but with the minor injury guideline, yeah, it's all block fees. So meaning it doesn't matter how many um, actual interventions there are, the block fee is applied. There mm-hmm. is no going above it or below it. You, It's up to you to take care of the person within that frame. Right, right. All right. So let's talk how a massage therapist fit in this mix because we can't, like you said, sign off on these forms. And oftentimes we're just thrown into the mix because we are either working in a physio clinic or a chiro clinic and yep. uh, that chiro clinic is seeing these MVA patients. And so, yeah. So in essence, we're basically at that mercy because we can't make the determination for ourselves. And the, the minor injury guideline because it is a limited amount and you can't put in for how much you want, you have to put in for how much there is. Mm -hmm. So the clinic um, practitioner usually determines how much they want. If there's anything left over from what they plan to do, because they usually do break it up into their hourly rate. If their hourly rate is being met for like the what's available for that block, they're not usually going to send anything else someone else's way. But you know, there is times that they'll break it up. Say like, okay, you're going to get say 25% of what's available. And then you're going to use that to put your plan together. Mm-hmm. So, but when it comes to it, yeah, we're at their mercy for getting in on that MIG. A lot of times, RMTs have to wait until the 18 is uh, applied. Um, under the MIG, though, uh, it has been suggested that using the 400 uh, goods and services directly for massage therapy. So it's it doesn't, in essence, take away from the block fees that the uh, practitioner is using. Right, right, right. And so then under the 18, tell me how that works with massage therapists. So technically, as, as we know, we're supposed to make our own treatment plans. Yep. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. There's going to be many RMTs in this province who they've been told what they're doing, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But uh, you're supposed to put down what the plans are for what you're going to do, who the profession is. Is that's doing the intervention, how many, how many weeks, uh, what the total is uh, that you're going to need. Mm-hmm. And of course, based on that hourly rate from the FSCO, not uh, you know your own hourly rate necessarily. If you get it approved, great. But the 5819 plus HST is what is the legal minimum um, that uh, we can get because it's, uh, you know, they don't have to pay more than that. Mm -hmm. They can choose to, but they don't have to. Which means no one does. Which means pretty much no one does. I always find it great when someone says that they've gotten more Mm -hmm. because they've been approved. Awesome. But don't ever expect it because that's not what's mandated under uh, FISCO. This is probably why a lot of massage, one of the reasons why they don't even want to take on motor vehicle Mm -hmm. vaccine patients, right? Yeah. Quote unquote, they don't see it. 
as they're worth, you know, because if you're charging 85, 105 an hour and you're told to take the 58 to 19, then you're going to be like, why am I devaluing myself? Yeah. Right? And this that's is... what that's what is necessary under this, uh, you know, setup is that you do that rate because that's what's uh, available for this person for their uh, motor vehicle care. Mm-hmm. And are these based on hour long treatments or is there a time stamp to it? They, they are based on the hour. Like you, you can't break it down. Like you can't say that you're doing the hour, applying the 5819 and then the person comes in and you're only giving them half because that's what your rate covers. Right. You can't do that. That's uh, fraud, although, you know, plain and simple. <laughs> although although there are many places where you prob- you've probably are, worked at I've, them too. Yeah. I've seen them and I've adjusted them Yeah, where I've told them like you can't do that. It has to be this way. And a lot of times people get caught um, inadvertently by the adjusters having an interview with the like with your patient and asking when you go how how long are you there for and then when they're told oh i'm only there for 45 minutes and they're like oh that's interesting because you were approved for an hour so then they throw that in as their you know investigation is over you have fraudulently applied 15 extra minutes per treatment you could be on the hook to pay that back. Mm. Can a therapist justify like a 45-minute treatment by saying that the paperwork is all part of that time? This is one of those yes, no answers. (laughs) So you can, but you have to indicate it correctly. Mm -hmm. There there are a lot of appendices that are available through Fisco for what we can and can't do. Before you do that, can you, because we've used Fisco a couple times, can you? Financial Standards Commission of Ontario. Cool. Yeah. They're basically the ones who oversee insurance in all of Ontario. So they're, you know, who the insurance industry is accountable to. All right. So I cut you off on that. No, no worries. So um, yeah, with the appendices, there are some availabilities. So Appendix B will give us some guidelines to follow. So when you put down that you're doing massage therapy for the hour and you only do 45 minutes of Mm hands-on, it's not right. Even though you know that you're doing other stuff, um, because, you know, we've been told all along in school that everything is under scope of practice, that you're doing massage therapy, you're assessing, you're doing your paperwork, you're doing your massage itself. These are all things that can follow fall under the uh, scope of practice, right, while yep. you're doing these with people. But the insurance industry has a little different. They want to have things actually itemized. So if you're sitting there and you're only doing the 45 minutes hands-on, then that's what you're putting, 45 minutes of massage therapy. If you're going to do anything else, you're going to do like showing exercise, you're going to do prep work, you're going to do follow-up, you're going to do hypothermy, hyperthermy, you're going to do any of the extras, including that's like TENS, laser, ultrasound, acupuncture. They all have to be indicated under their appropriate uh, title because it's it's not all massage therapy. Yes, it's scope, but according to them, it's not. So right. when they come back and they want to see that you're dividing up the time appropriately, they want to see the right words. Mm-hmm. So in that case, say, for example, what you're doing is you're doing uh, 45 hands-on and then you do 15 minutes of hyperthermy while you monitor. You have to indicate the hyperthermy, so aka using heat. You have to indicate that because that's the appropriate way to do it. Uh, same with if you're going do prep work, if you're going to do documentation, if you're going to do exercise, indicate it. As long as you can justify it through their own rules using Appendix B, then you can apply for uh, that reimbursement. Otherwise, in, as far as a lot of them are concerned, you've just lied to them mm. and they're going to call you fraudulent and work around that. So how does an RMT handle this then? I'm a, I'm an RMT. I have my own clinic space. Someone comes to me and they say, hey, I was in an accident. I got these forms to fill out. Um, can you do this for me? What's What do you suggest an RMT do in, in that time? Depends on, I guess, the RMT and what they're willing to do. 
do. So let's let's look at an RMT that's willing to help out as much as possible. Yeah. So if you want to go at independent, you have to apply as a part of HCI, the mm-hmm. Health Claims for Auto Insurance, and that is mandatory. That isn't something that can be circumvented. So when and we hear this all the time, where someone, an adjuster, usually will tell you, just send me the paperwork and I'll approve it. You can't do that. HCI was set up as an independent third body, and that was like February first, two thousand eleven. It became mandatory. So from that date forward, they basically operate as their uh, in-between little watchdog so that uh, everything that goes through them is officiated and documented. So when we say you have 10 days to reply, you have seven days to do this, you got 30 days to do that, it's all kept track of under HCI. Whereas in the past, unfortunately, one of the reasons this was set up is that paperwork conveniently went missing. Mm. It's like, oh, I never got that fax. Or, you know, I didn't I didn't say to do that. What are you talking about? So as long as it's documented and it's through that uh, third party, then everything's there. Yeah. It's official. You can't back down because it's in that system. HCI is not owned by the insurance industry per se. They pay for it, right? But they're not owning it. They are third party at arm's length. They have to be there. So we have to do that. So if we want to be involved, we can do it that way. So independently, sign up for HCI. You don't necessarily need that uh, uh, Fisco license in order to go forward. We've talked about this many times on the site that you still have to put in the 18, the 23, and the 21 through HCI, but they will not reimburse you. Mm -hmm. They'll answer you. They'll tell you whether there's an approval or not, but they won't reimburse you. Okay. You have to collect payment directly from the patient. They then turn in their OCF-6 for reimbursement. Gotcha. But if you want to do the facility route and pay all that extra money, that's completely you know, up to you. But in doing so, you get paid directly from the insurance company. You, there is no in-between trying to figure it out. It's just put in the 21, you get reimbursed as right. long as you're approved, of course. So that that's one direction to start out. The other, of course, is if you don't want to be that involved, you want to be involved with your patient, but you don't want to be that involved with uh, the system. You can work with another professional where they put it through their uh, HCI portal and you basically work as a independent under them. You're going to bill them. They're going to bill uh, through HCI to the insurance company and you know you get your reimbursement from them having that relationship play ball with them work directly and you know help out your patient yeah so that's a that's a basic way of getting involved i guess and helping out the patient that you want to what are some of the the not so proper worker workarounds that you've heard on these like a therapist and adjuster so so i'll give you i'll give you an example i'll give an example i was in a motorcycle accident Mm -hmm. and um i was in need of therapy So when I was talking to my insurance company, this is what I told them. I said, hey, guess what? I'm in the industry. I'm not going to go to a physio clinic because I don't want to get, you know, for lack of a better word, raped on therapy that I don't think I need. I'm not going to go to chiro clinic because I don't want uh, 12 chiropractic treatments, whatever the case is. What I I do want to do is go see my massage therapist. Can we make this work? And this is what the response was. The response was, yep, sure, go ahead, find your massage therapist, uh, you know, pay them up front and then just send us the receipts and uh, just keep in mind that we're only going to pay out X amount per treatment. Anything above and beyond, that's on you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So obviously the first and foremost there, verbal, it's not enough. The the whole thing, like I said, with HCI was yep. put in place because going verbal, um, just, you know, faxes, whatever, that they don't acknowledge. You have to have things official. Mm-hmm. So even at the very least, you're, you're getting that. You want an email. 
you want to know that what they've told you can be taken back to and said, listen, this is what I was promised. So you're going to make this work. So whatever you have to do to get the proper documentation in place, because you said it's cool, then that has to be done. But the thing is that that workaround, like you said, it's just a verbal, hey, go do it. We'll give you money. They don't have to. They didn't officially give you the go ahead. Yeah. So in the long run, you being told you're going to be on the hook for the extra, there's a good chance you're on the hook for everything. For everything, yeah. Because you didn't get approval. And that's something that I think uh, a lot of massage therapists should know because if I did that workaround and it came to you and then I find out I'm on the hook for everything, I might just mm-hmm. be like, hey, well, um, you should have informed me on this type of thing. That, yeah. 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 And unfortunately, there too, like we've said, a lot of our RMTs come out of school not knowing. Mm-hmm. So they think, oh, okay, the adjuster said that. Great. Let's, let's work with that then. And then in the long run, it's not just that, you know, you as a patient that's being screwed, it's RMT that's being screwed because yeah. they've been given the verbal and they think everything's cool. And then they go to Bill and they're like, who are you? Mm. Why are you? Why are you sending us this bill? This person's never been approved and you've got no proof. You just say, well, you know, Mark told me. And they're like, we, we never told Mark anything. So it's important to get the paperwork in. It's important to have it go through the system so it's there and that we have, you know, that proof and evidence that uh, things have been done. But yeah, the work one of those workarounds. It's too often that uh, on the phone, just given the verbal go-ahead, great, but please give me the uh, follow-up. Give me that uh, email that officially says that you're approving this. Give me the approval through HKI that uh, this is now officially approved. Because even there, you get the go-ahead. Great, you start doing some treatments with someone. You get that OCF form in. You send it, it comes back, and it's denied. And the whole time, you're expecting it to be approved. And again, you have no proof that you got the approval because it was verbal. Get that email. You always have proof to go back on. So if you have to take them to task with Fisco, you've got your proof. What else should RMT know, RMTs know about dealing with MVAs? What do you think? The main thing is like, as much as it sounds like there's a lot to it, once you get going with it and you understand things, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty simple. Yeah. It's not as hard as it's made out to be. It looks hard because in essence, the we're going to say the industry made it look that way. There's so much paperwork to do. It it's a mountain of paperwork, and in reality, it turns a lot of people off from getting the therapy that they need, and it turns a lot of therapists off from providing therapy. So, you know, they it looks like it's unsurmountable, but learning to work within it, it's not that horrible. I know even even the rate looking at like uh, 5819 plus HST and trying to say like, oh, I can't justify taking a, taking a hit. Well, this person needs the, their care. So what are you going to do? You're going to help the person or are you going to worry about your revenue? Um, if you keep a healthy amount between the two, then you don't really have to worry. If you've got uh, you know, your regular, um, as they, they call it, private uh, patients, and then you've got your MBA patients, it's not going to be that bad. And I'll always throw it back, like 5819 for an hour massage versus $14 an hour retail if you need to to do something extra for that income, why are you taking the 14 bucks? Why not get involved with uh, more MBA stuff? Yeah, for sure. Do you see a lot of uh, MBAs? Oh, absolutely. Um, probably right now, a quarter of what I do is MBA stuff. How many of your MBA patients, on average, that you see, you're like, fuck, you don't need therapy? That doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Um, I've had a few, you know, and usually it's like, okay, I have assessed. It doesn't look like there's anything there. So I'm not going to put anything through, right? And you do get your uh, malingerers 
basically. And what happens sometimes, unfortunately, is like some of your, your malingerers are also like very vocal and they'll, Most of them they'll are. make the adjuster give them the approval basically because the adjuster doesn't want to hear from them anymore. And even though you put in and say unnecessary, the adjuster just goes, I don't want to hear their shit. So uh, you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the 12. I approved them. Yeah. And you're like, but the person doesn't need it. I've said, you know, they're as good as they're going to get or that this person is presenting and they're malingering. They're not actually as injured as they're indicating. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, I've I've had those in the past, not necessarily anyone I want to work with, you know, because if they're going to sit there and lie about it, I don't want to work with them. Yeah, it's almost like it's just a big old waste of your freaking time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then obviously on the opposite end, there's ones that you know are injured, but they're, you know, they're quiet. They don't push back and their adjusters go, ah, you sound good. Yeah. And then they're not approved. They go, are you getting denied on stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And then you're sitting there going, this person is actually injured and you're being told, ah, no, they're not. It's such a dirty game, especially once the lawyer's involved. Oh, unfortunately, yeah. But there's also times like people do need to just get that lawyer involved because yeah. they're getting the runaround. Yeah, for sure. You know, the lawyer then comes in, goes to bat. It drives up like all the revenue and the fees that are coming out. Like if anything, you know, essentially trying to play dirty, like, you know, whether you're just walking that line between, you know, being fraudulent or not. Once that lawyer's involved, well, there you go, lawyer fees. And now you're talking about, you know extra money that's going out the window. If you had an opportunity to wave a magic wand and make this whole MVA thing look a certain way, what would it look like to you? (laughs) For how to deal with it? The, the or, first, or, first and foremost, or what, what would the ideal scenario look like in your mind? Yeah, the first and foremost being that, uh, you know, when we do an assessment or, you know, someone has done a diagnosis, that it's taken at face value, that we know what we're talking about and that we're not pushed back and saying, ah, you don't sound right. We're going to send this person off to an independent to, to have them checked. You know, <laughs> like, why? Why are you wasting all that money and time? I've done this. If you're going to understand how our professions work and that we're not trying to be fraudulent, that mm-hmm. we're telling you the truth, let it go through. But if you, you know, if they think we're fraudulent, then send out the investigators. Don't keep sending people to, you know, be assessed, assessed. by someone else. Yeah. You know? I know a dude, he's an assessor and I've seen some of his reports and guess what? They're identical. Oh yeah. For every single person Absolutely. that he sees. It's, it's, it's quite common. Yeah, no, I've seen that myself many a time where you're looking at it, you're like, "Mm, looks like something I said. Yeah. But so, and then from there, I guess, uh, ideally, get rid of so much freaking paperwork. Yeah. Like, I understand there's a certain level of it that, you know, they need some information, but there's so many freaking redundancies. Like, how many times do you have to put down your name? How many times do you have to put down that uh, claim number? You're you know, insurance uh, policy number, like all these things that like on every single form, the one, the five, the 23, the 18, like they're, you're constantly filling these out. Like I've actually thrown in a proposal at one point that they should be self-populating. We've got the system. Those numbers should be in there. Those names should be in there. Do it once. Self-populate from there. Cut down on some of that. The patient shouldn't come in every time they see you fill out a whole new form with all the same information. Cut that down. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Like part of me, yeah, gets that what they want to do is check for malingerers in a way because if you're not willing to fill it out and you just walk away, that hey, maybe you weren't that injured. But then again, you get the ones that are that injured, say like concussions, whatnot, that they can't do these forms over and over. So that's you waving your magic wand. How did you get into all of this stuff? Like, how do you become the encyclopedia on MVA stuff? Is it just from <laughs> doing it? Is it from, you know... Doing what? it, paying attention. Um, 
so instead of just being an RM2, sat back and just took what was thrown on my plate and said, hey, you've got one a week. You're going to do this for uh, six weeks. Okay, great. I'll do a massage. No, mine started out with the whole idea that, uh, you know, too often in those situations, especially when I first started, it's like, you know, so where's my assessment come in? Where do I start to figure out what's going on with this person? Unfortunately, it happens too often that an RMT is not asked for their opinion. They're not asked to assess. You're told what is going on. So, of course, I look into it and it's like, no, it's it's necessary. Like, one, we're mandated by our college that we're supposed to assess every time. So, and that's something I make sure of. My first appointment with any patient I'm, I'm like, given, essentially, by another professional, that day is assessment day because I want to figure out what's going on. I want to know what I agree with, maybe what I don't agree with. There's times, like... Um, you know, I may find something that hasn't been found before. I'll send that information over to whoever I'm working with. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I didn't consider that. And it's great when you have that collaboration. But if you're just going to, you know, be a drone and go on, like, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I had to actually learn some more. So a lot of Googling, a lot of reading. You should teach a course on this, man. I've always uh, wanted yeah. to I've always wanted to have a course. The other half of what we do is our continuing education company called Cotton Institute. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to have a course on this. I actually have a friend who's an adjuster. And I'm like, will you come teach a fucking course on this? But she, yeah. she doesn't care enough to. <laughs> yeah, it's actually something I've taught in the past. Like I did a, a two-day workshop on it yeah. uh, previously. And yeah, like I said earlier, like doing continuing education is one of my, my things that I want to actually do more of. So that is one of the ones that I'm con- well, considering doing like uh, hopefully this summer even. So at least a two-day course is what I figure out based on uh, you know all the paperwork and whatnot because you do have to have that little bit of time. I don't like to waste people's times when I do those sort of things, so I don't take and and do too much uh, filler stuff. We, you know, so the two days usually gets it done. It's not going to be something that takes, you know, far, five weekends to, to get it all done. I want to get it done quickly, give you the tools to go home with, and then you can work with it that Monday kind of thing if you're doing it on a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah, it's a fabulous idea, man. I think it's I think it's well needed. I think there's a lot of therapists that just throw up their hands in the air and say, NBA, forget it. Yeah, and unfortunately too, like I find a lot of it is because they've been told to think that way. You know, From, say, from school or from other professionals? We'll say, we'll say from all those sources depends on who they're dealing with if uh, like for example you're at school and the common was from like the the staff is that oh yeah rmts don't don't do this so don't even concern yourself with it It, you'll just get confused and you don't want to do it (laughs) while they're passing on that persona and you take it on as your own you're like oh no mvas are too confusing and like no they're not that confusing just sit down like you know, yeah, there's a lot because there's the the laws that you got to look at. But if it's broken down properly, it's not that difficult. No, not at all. And it could actually end up being a sweet business for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is it much different than what you're making at Massage Addict, right? At the end of the day? No, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, if you do the right business model, yeah, for sure. you, you can make it work. Like even there, like if that's all you do all week long, you're still going to make uh, a good income. If you're sitting at like 25, 30 patients a week and you're doing like almost 60 bucks an hour, you're killing it. Yeah, for like, sure. Again, you could be in retail making 14 an hour, you know, one of those, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you've gone to school, you've got the skills to do this and you should be using them. Then why aren't you applying it to something like that instead of, you know, searching out other sources of income when this is what you know, you just learn to play the game properly and you can make it work. Do you like being the MVA guy? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, don't ask me how like that actually got in there, right? Just but whatever. I I do. Or are you like like chiming in if I know something, I'm gonna throw it in there. And or are you are you I'll learn something new? Are you ever? Are you ever like? shit someone just fucking tagged me in this and now i feel like i have to respond on this like or are you i was like yep i'm the nba guy do you welcome it with open arms or does it sometimes come with like a motherfuck underneath your breath yeah i I don't do that like yeah i'll get in there and like i'll look at because even if i don't have that information off the top of my head like googling it knowing exactly where to go like putting in the the right words to get the right thing to show up quickly yeah yeah i'll do that right you know because i already know where to find most of it yeah 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 yeah, so it doesn't bother me too much you know (laughs) now watch i'm gonna get like 20 tags tomorrow (laughs) so but whatever (laughs) you know what it's a good thing though it's a good thing it helps with a personal brand which goes which goes a long way in this business and i think a lot of massage therapists don't really capitalize on building a personal brand building a company brand and everything else right oh exactly that obviously a whole other topic we've seen that so often with like a misunderstanding of what a brand is and like how to how to work with it you know (laughs) there's yeah there's so much down that avenue that uh, can be discussed i'm sure uh you know previous podcasts and future brought podcasts are going to have that yeah we have a so. ton of we have a ton of business coaches come on and talk about mm-hmm. that kind of stuff for sure so where do you see yourself uh, uh this is this is like an interview where do you see yourself <laughs> in five years oh lord where do you want to be man do you want to be do you want to be here in five years have you ever owned your own place no i haven't owned my own place no is that something um, in the mix tell me what's in the mix hey, for you. it'd be it'd be nice and all yeah in all reality one of the things that i want to actually get more into is consulting um essentially like like you're saying like you know, I'm getting tagged on these things. I've built up a lot up in my head, and I I know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking venturing towards uh, being more of a of a consultant for RMTs right and on. who knows whatever like kittens, physios, like yeah, chiros yeah, yeah. even. I don't, it doesn't matter if you want to know stuff, and I know it. Then yeah. I think it's a good idea because I think there's a couple <laughs> a couple in this field in Ontario, and I feel like they're dinosaurs. I feel like they're, they're, there's an old school way of thinking and doing things, and I don't know how they ended up with their reputation of being <laughs> the business guru, but yeah. I feel like they're dinosaurs, and I feel like there needs to be new blood injected into this. I won't say names, but... Uh... <laughs> well, you know, I guess the way I'll look at it is that um, the whole thinking outside the box, whatever, just like going with the boxes, it changes throughout the years. Mm. Um, I definitely... We'll say when I when I first started, I definitely got pigeonholed with uh, a lot of the things that others got involved in. Like even with teaching, I just spouted out what I what I thought I knew. As I moved beyond that, I've learned a hell of a lot more. Yeah. And so much of it being like where we've been repressed, oppressed, whatever you want to call it, and like the misinformations that like I even spouted when I taught that like you know you can do this and you can't do this and you should do this and we've we actually never had any evidence. It was just something that was passed down from someone by someone by someone who thought about it one day and now it's like you know this is becoming more and more prominent is that there's several of us who are keeping up to speed on what's new what actually is and getting rid of that old stuff Mm -hmm. you know like we we look at things like you know oh yeah you can't can't massage someone in their uh, first trimester you might uh, cause a miscarriage and you can't massage them in their last trimester you might have early labor that's bullshit nothing's ever been proven to to do that and anytime anyone has tried to figure it out the numbers are the same like between people who don't get massage and people who do get massage for 
occurrences, you know, and someone who says like, oh yeah, I, I massage someone and then five days later, baby popped out. No, <laughs> that, no, that, that, that doesn't, that's not how it works. Yeah. But that applies like so many other things. We've been told the water thing. We've been told that we, you know, like there isn't even a firm number on when you should massage following an injection. Like if someone's had an injection somewhere and like, okay, well the injection site, how long do you not massage? Nobody knows that yet. I was told in school 72 hours. Mm. Do I know where that came from? Not necessarily. The RMT that taught you, yeah. who was taught by another RMT that said 72 hours, who yeah. was taught by another RMT that's a 72 hours. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, so going like in that regard, like looking at old business models and um, looking at previous information and whatnot. Yeah, it's been changing and it's going to continue to change. And we got to stay like on top of like what it is and tell you like, yeah, years ago, pigeonholed, I, I look back and I'm like, how the hell did I do that? Like I should have been able to be beyond that. But, you know, I'm going to say it's like many RMTs in this province. You trust that what you've been taught is accurate. So you think it's like a golden rule. But, you know, fortunately now there's a little bit more there about um, research uh, components and whatnot. So use it. Go in, check. Is what you were told by someone accurate? Like, go and see if the information is there. Don't go to Jenny McCarthy. That's not that's not proper information, right? <laughs> you want to go on and find actual <laughs> research articles. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where we got to get to, you know. Yeah, definitely. I like what you have to say, man. You're you're a bright dude. I dig it. Thank you. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> Anything else you want to wrap on? Um, there's like obviously like with the the auto insurance stuff. There's there's a lot more to it. It's it's out there. It's mostly like it's it's on paper somewhere what has to be done, you know, and don't be told by someone you have to do something that, you know, doesn't sound right. Um, you know, look into it. Is it what you should do? Should you look at some, something else? Uh, you know, am I being a fraud if I do it this way? That like That's something you should concern yourself with. You don't want to go forward and be fraudulent in what you're doing and saying one thing because you were told to. You want to check, is this really what I can do? Like, how many times, big one right there. How many times do we hear, oh, well, this is how our clinic does it. We always do 45 hands-on, even though we put in for 60 minutes. No, that's fraud. You said 60 minutes, you give 60 minutes, you know? But yeah, there's so much information there that, uh, you know, we're still not touching on. Like I said, I, I would do a two-day course on it for everything that applies, just to go through all the forms and everything. OCF1, how about that one? Didn't even touch on that. If you don't have the OCF1, there is no injury. The OCF1 is the acknowledgement that there's an injury. So if you're wondering where your approvals are, things like that, check if an OCF1 was done. Was that sent in yet? If it wasn't, they don't even exist in the system. You have 30 days um, in between when you can apply for uh, OCF21 for billing. Don't keep going at it like every week, asking where's my money. That's actually considered harassment under the, the SABs, oh, you know, yeah. 30 days. So you bill once every 30 days, you know. Um, if you don't actually hear back from an adjuster in 10 business days, that's an automatic approval. So on day 11, you're approved until you're told you're not. If you do come back afterwards and you're told you're not, everything that you did up until that time that you were told you're not officially, you can still bill for you have to indicate it under the, um, was it the other information that that's what you're billing for kind of thing is that you've, you didn't get the approval in within those 10 business days. So yeah, there's so much more. Oh, keep like, going with these. I, I like oh, this. Like, I like these little quick, these yeah. little quick stabs. This is good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like the, these things are, are good to know. They're necessary to know so that again, you're not pushed back against too often, like RMTs back down because they're, they're being told by the almighty adjuster, you know, this is, this is how it goes. Play the game. This is how we do it. Well, no, 
if it's mandated by law under the SABs, if Fisco has said that this is how it happens, you know, and again, like I said, Fisco is their boss, essentially. They're the, they're the ones who are the watchdogs of the insurance industry. So if the law says it under an act, and if Fisco says it, then it's true. Being told, oh no, that's not how it applies. Well, that's what it says legally on paper. So what you tell me verbally doesn't matter. So, you know, this is how this what's going to happen. You know, like I know right now the HST is a big one, right? Whether it gets applied to the big or not. Well, it does. And there's a big lawsuit about it. I think it's up to a billion dollars now for uh, like the class action lawsuit for um, not paying the HST. But Fisco has clearly stated that it's over and above. So the 5819 plus HST, the block fees plus HST right. for the massage therapy component are over and above. And that all comes back to Excise Tax Act of uh, Canada, that GST and therefore HST is over and above. So it has to be applied. So being told otherwise, when there's clear documentation everywhere that you can you can find from the you know sources that matter that says it should be and has to actually then yeah they should be like paying it to you and not questioning you on it so yeah <laughs> you need to do a course that's it all right <laughs> rmt's got to know this stuff just got to figure out dates and stuff yeah. you know rmt's rmt's <laughs> got to know this stuff man I, I would love for rmt's to be able to spout this off like 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 you're doing right now yeah it would be great i always love actually when when you're saying like tag and tag on stuff and whatnot when i see someone else spouting the information i'm like oh hey someone's listening <laughs> you know because it's good that people start to get that information and they, they own it. They exactly. know it. They don't yeah. have to keep like referencing back and, and saying like, oh, um, I think this was said by so-and-so. Instead of coming forward and being like, you know, this is how it this is. This is what it is, yeah. Like the sources have been given many a time, you know, like how many of us will throw up the permalink and saying, we've talked about this 20 times already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. What's your favorite RMT group that you're a part of? Just out of curiosity. It's my favorite group. Yeah. Which group brings you which which group brings you the most joy? <laughs> I would technically say the RMTAO page. Why does this one now, why does this bring you the most joy? Essentially because it's it's right up the alley, right? Like I work here, I know this stuff the most. Yeah. And people listen better and take it in better. <laughs> there are definitely some annoying ones out there that people have no clue and they will fight you on how much they have no clue. <laughs> but on our page, like for Ontario, yeah, I love that one because you get listened to. And like when you can throw in like the laws and, you know, the applicable policies and stuff, people yeah. listen. And they're like, oh, hey, thanks. As opposed to, you don't know shit, man. Yeah. Like I, I heard this from someone who was like really awesome. And you're like, who's that? <laughs> like I'll know someone. Like that doesn't work. What what group do you hate the most, and why? Oh come on! Like I'm and gonna why? say that. Come on, why not? <laughs> There's certain groups out there. What's 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 the main function of those groups that you don't like? If we if we want to get with the the unlikable like yeah pseudoscience and stuff like when we start to get too much into like you know saying that you know these are absolutes when no mm -hmm. no they're not nothing can nothing can be proven and even when someone's tried to prove they've always discredited themselves like i'm sorry but like if you've done a you know research project and you threw out 99 percent of the information because it didn't fit your criteria yeah but the one percent that did that's not proof that's anti-proof like no you know but as far as like our profession goes yeah yeah there's there's ones out there that are a little more international where people are really stuck and they will fight you tooth and nail with how much they're stuck and they can't they can't fathom how to move forward because what they know is what they know does that make you
you laugh? Does that make you cry? Or does that just make you frustrated as hell? Oh, I try not to get frustrated at anything. So yeah, it's more that it makes me laugh because I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like these people are idiots. So, <laughs> you know, it's nice when you can turn someone and like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for that. I'm going to look into it. Okay, great. But what's that saying? You can't fix stupid. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> get fixed dude. yeah so like it's annoying but i don't get super frustrated or anything like it's not affecting me directly so why why take it on i hear the you. whole like you know check your baggage at the door yeah, yeah yeah i find it interesting i sometimes i just i just peruse these things for fun because I, i'm i'm either looking for you know a decent laugh or i'm just looking to see what other people are all about or what you know where they sit what their knowledge base is because yeah. that always interests me a lot yeah i'd say well, one of the more annoying ones for me right now is uh, people not understanding how to refer out mm. they think you know oh that's not in my scope i can't do anything with that well it's not in your scope you recognize that so how about you refer them to whose scope it is well how am i supposed to know that that would be diagnosing no it's recognizing mm. you're recognizing what it might be yeah. possibility send them to the person who will say whether it is or is not they can either come back to you and say you're full of shit you you have no idea or they'll say, hey, good catch, you know, and it's great when you get the, hey, good catch, you know, so don't be afraid to refer out. But so many people get stuck in, you know, oh, it's not in my scope. I, I can't say anything about it. Well, no, you can't diagnose it, but you can say, you know what this might look like. So how about you go to this professional and have it uh, figured out? Yeah, that trips me out so much because to me, this is not it. This is a non-conversation. Like why? Why? Right. This is this is a no-brainer here. Yeah, yeah. People get people get <laughs> people get stuck on language and words and uh, nomenclature and no, exactly. And just take it too far. Yeah. So yeah, that would be the the one annoyance at the at the moment. <laughs> but again, it's not like something I get all frustrated about. It's just like you know, personally, it's just like people refer out. It's not your problem. Let it be someone else's problem. Yeah. 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 Right on, brother. This has been good. This has been good. Anything else you want to let the masses know? At the moment? Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, I think we've covered a fair amount. And like, yeah, it's... A little quick and and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, like, you know, some people understand a little bit of what's going on or even where to look. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like, just Google it. Find the right source. Like if you're like in this regard, if you're looking for something and you find the SABS, the statutory accident benefit uh, schedule, yep. and you can find it in there, that's the law. That's yeah. how it, that's what sticks. If you find on Fisco itself and it says something, that's the governing body. They're the ones who are setting the rule, you know, so go with it. If it's there, it's accurate. Yeah. I think this is going to be super helpful. I think there's a lot of people that are absolutely clueless when it comes down to dealing with MVAs. And I think this is going to help out a lot of people. I hope so. Right on, brother. Thanks for, thanks for hanging. Thanks for having me in your clinic. Hey, thanks for coming all the way to London today. Yeah, man. Today was a a London tour of uh, podcasts. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. But I dig it out here, man. I dig it. Hey, we're a nice little town down here, you know. Right on. (laughs) You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.